day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I am the Aussie Pastor and we are coming to you live out of our studios in North West Sydney, Hunty. G'day mate. If you don't know who he is by now, he's our producer director, welcome to our program. Thanks buddy, good to be here. Hey, we did something different today that we've never done before. Well, what's that? We went riding together. Oh, we did. We're on a bit of an exercise binge, aren't we? Finally. Now this is radio, one of the reasons I love radio <laughs> is they actually can't see what we look like. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a good face for radio. But, <laughs> but we've, we've been being encouraged by people to get out and do some exercise. We went for a ride today. It wasn't bad, was it? That's right. It was good fun. First one? Yes. We were huffing and puffing and sweating and yes. snorting up these hills. <laughs> wasn't easy, was it? <laughs> but hopefully as we get into our bike riding, we can get fitter and fitter and uh, we won't be so hard to look at Uh on television anyway. That's right. Uh, glad you're here today. Welcome to our program. We've got a good program today, Hunty. We do. Harold Harker, he's one of our regular guests. Yep. He's going to be talking about John Wesley. Going to ask him some important questions about this amazing man who has made such a difference to Christianity and where we are today as a church. I'm not just talking about the Adventist church, the Protestant church. This guy is one of the great heroes of our movements. Indeed. And then we're going to talk to Greg, Greg O'Pillay. He's a friend of mine. I haven't known him that long, actually. He was, uh, and, and he has a, a very interesting background. He comes from Africa. He was a, a Buddhist or, or a Hindu. Yes. I'm not sure I'm going to ask him. Yes. And his journey to, his journey to Jesus is something, and he's a good singer. Very good singer. In fact, Hunter, we're going to try and get him to do some singing. Oh, his music's awesome. And then Christian Coppuccino. You know who he is? Mate, he's a very important Faith FM person. In fact, you wouldn't be listening, view, listeners, I almost said viewers. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're TV guys yeah. who have transferred across the radio. Uh, listeners, we, you would not be listening to us now if it wasn't for Christian Coppuccino. I think we could say that he is at least one of the key founders of Faith it FM. Sure is. So welcome to our program today. I hope and pray that you will see Jesus in it and that you will be blessed. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunty. Hey, mate. You know my cousin. You know my cousin well. Yes. Bruce. We're going to say who he is. I know Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. He's a good man. Whenever I ring him up on the phone, he says, how are you going, your old dinosaur? I don't know why, why he calls me a dinosaur when I'm actually younger than him. But you are a bit of a dinosaur, aren't you? I would never admit to that. <laughs> what I mean by that is you're still watching the news oh, on here television. We go, here we go. Now, now you just shifted, <laughs> didn't you? I did. How it must, you, now because I know you are a bit of a news hound. It must have been difficult for you shifting and losing oh, access no. to the television. Oh, oh no, 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 no. That's the first thing that gets moved is the TV. <laughs> oh no, and the first thing that's reconnected even before the bed. Just so the listeners know, <laughs> I'm at the other end of the scale. I am not even allowed by my wife to have a television in this pro in this home. Do you read the uh, Sydney Morning Herald? No. You know, it's 190 years old a couple of days ago, anniversary, and they have never missed a day. That's amazing. They haven't gone to print. Do you read the Sydney Morning Herald? I don't. I'm a TV guy. That's right. Have you been watching the news lately? A little bit. Uh, kind of a serial thing because we've been talking about this regularly, but Harry, did you watch the 
Did you watch the Royal Funeral? I actually watched the Royal Funeral in its entirety. What a great production that was. Okay, pomp and ceremony. I didn't watch it. it lots of pomp and ceremony, but it was also scaled right down. Only only 30 guests at the wedding, at the funeral. And at the wedding? At the wedding. <laughs> on live radio, calling a funeral <laughs> a wedding. wedding. You're going to get yourself. Some, into- some people might say there's little difference. Oh. <laughs> You're going to get yourself in the big trouble. You know, seeing Queenie there sitting by herself, it was a very sombre thing to see. It actually just goes to show on this in this life, doesn't matter who you are, death will catch up with you. That's right. I'm kind of glad to see. People start to think I'm a royal watcher and I'm not, but it's just so so much in the news. You watch the news on television. I read the news online. Everywhere you look, there's this Harry, Megan, William, Kate and then their dad and the Queen uh, saga being played out before the. It is how, how sad is that? What I found really sad. And I didn't watch the funeral, but I saw some of the highlights. Seeing Harry walk side by side with William, but they are like two or three meters apart. Well, you know that was on the way in. They were quite a distance apart, and it, it looked like it was quite a frosty sort of an affair. But, and I think Kate might have had something to do with this on the walk back out. They were together. They were shoulder to shoulder and they were chatting. Hey, your family, do you ever have tensions in your family? Oh, I'm, I'm fairly blessed. Our families. Well, I've, I've got a good too family distracted. too, but we know what tension is in our family. You know what the answer is? Other than Jesus in the family, and that is so important if you want to be able to walk, work through tensions together. You know what the answer to tension in the family is? What's that? Talk. True. Communication, actually. So other than mm. trying to introduce, if I was their pastor... And I'm talking about Harry and William. Let's talk about the two brothers. Yep. And I was trying to bring a repair to that relationship. Well, I'd start off by trying to bring Jesus into it. But as well as that, I would say to them, talk. Yep. Talk, talk, talk. Talk your differences out. And if you've got tensions in your family right now and you're not talking, well, until you do, you're never going to get rid of them. That's right. You've got to talk. And it, it can be a humbling experience to talk. Well, it will be for the royals because they've thrown some pretty big chunks of mud. I actually don't think you need to be a royal for that to be hard to talk. <laughs> That's true. But once you start to talk, it's not so hard. And it can be the road out of great tensions. Uh, mm. That's for sure. Now, Humble yourself and talk. Yeah. Now, mm. uh, changing subject just for a moment. Yep. I know you shared with me uh, not so long ago that the Christian church worldwide – Mm, it's, it's coming under a lot of stress. A lot of stress, yeah. Did you know that um, just recently this year so far in Chile, anti-Christian vigilantes have vandalised, damaged and set fire to a whole heap of churches? And you would not think that would happen in Chile, which is predominantly a Christian, Christian country. country. In a Burundi, uh, SDAs have been beaten for worshipping on Sabbath. Yep. Uh, just in China this year, over 300 Seventh-day Adventist churches have been closed as part of a government effort to suppress religion. And and it's important for our listeners to realise it's not just the Adventist church that's under pressure no, in these countries. It's the Christian churches. We have access to the figures because we are Adventists yep. as what is happening to the Adventist church. But we want to recognise today that it's the other Christian churches as well that's right. that are suffering in these countries. That's right. Um, the Myanmar government has been persecuting Muslims and Christians. And also in Laos... Um, if you're a baptised Adventist now, you can expect to have the power disconnected from your house and you'll have no electricity. 
<laughs> Just for your faith in Jesus. Sounds like living in St Albans. <laughs> I shouldn't say that carelessly, but I do live in the place where the power seems to be off all the time, all the time. Yep. Uh, and it's a very painful experience. Even here in Australia, and a lot of people don't recognise this, but I recognise it because of our media ministry, of our television ministry, of our radio ministry, Pressure is coming on to the Christian movement, hunty. That's right. We're, we're not under we're not under persecution like they are. Praise God, but we're under threat. And I look at some of these new laws that Dan Andrews has brought in in Victoria, and yeah. they are a genuine threat to the freedom of the Christian church to share the love of Jesus and His power to give us freedom. Yep, to give us freedom from sin. He's writing laws right now that give him power to reach into different states of Australia, which, which technically, because we broadcast into Victoria, could reach it and grab us. As Christian pastors, as Christians in the media, out on the front line, we are living in Australia today in a world I never thought would exist. Yep. It is a very, very dangerous place, and we need to be very careful how we share Jesus, and yet we need to be brave and courageous as we share Jesus. And you know what, Hunty? Jesus warned us about this. He did. Yep. He said, when you see these things, mm. know that my redemption, yep. my coming, is nigh. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You know, as I think about that, Last little discussion we had there, Hunty, about the yep. persecution and the oppression that the Christian church is coming under. Yep. This next song, Great Is Thy Faithfulness. So true. It is, isn't it? It is. And so as we listen to this song together, and it's sung beautifully by a lovely young lady, as we listen to this song, I want you to think about your walk with Jesus and how you are going to stand as your relationship with Jesus comes under pressure. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh 
welcome Harold Harker to our program today. He's an educator, he's an administrator, he's a historian. He's very much into travel. In fact, he's a not just, I wouldn't call him a travel agent, but he's a travel tour leader and he's a good friend of mine. Welcome, Harold. Thank you, Lloyd. It's great to be with you again on another great topic. Yes, we're going to talk about John Wesley today, one of the greatest of all the Protestant reformers. Tell me a little bit about John Wesley. Where was he born? A little bit about his family. Okay. John was born in a little village about 250 kilometres north of London called Epworth. This small village, his father was the parish Anglican priest and his mother and all his siblings lived there. In fact, he came from a large family and he spent most of his young childhood in this place of Epworth. Now, when you say he came from a large family, how many brothers and sisters did he have and whereabouts in the chain did he come? Okay, well, Susanna, the mother, she was a great person. She had 19 births. Oh Nine of these children died as young infants, but 10 of them survived. John came number 15 of those 19, so he was toward the tail end. So even though his dad and mum lost a lot of those children, almost 50%, the reality was he was still brought up in a very, very large family. He was. And we also know his brother Charles, who was the hymn writer. Charles was, came after John in this family. Well, I guess he did have a lot of influences on his little life, would have John Wesley, but there's one person who had a very significant influence, in fact, helped to shape him to become the man that both he and Charles, his brother, later became. Who was that? That was his mother, Susanna. In fact, she is called the mother of Methodism because she not only cared for her family, she educated John. She taught him at home for the first 10 years of his life and then she had something that most mothers today don't have time for, but maybe they should. She took one hour each week with each of her children. She had many of them, and at that time she had a heart-to-heart talk about their spiritual relationship with Jesus and where they were. What a great influence on John Wesley. Did John Wesley ever talk about his mother and the impact she had on him as a child? Oh, yes. He was happy to talk about that because she gave him the foundation and uh, he always looked back to his mother. In fact, they're buried not far apart in London. She's just across the road from where he is. Okay, I, I guess she's called the mother of Methodism too because it was John and Charles Wesley as they grew up and, and became great men, Protestant reformers of God, who shook the world. They're the guys, actually, who formed early on the Methodist Church. Thus, Susanna, That's right. the mother of Methodism. That's right. John and Charles. Charles probably never became a Methodist, but he was with John for most of his life. And uh, they certainly founded this, and John was probably the one who was the the kickstart of Methodism itself. Now, um, while he was a child, he had a very fortunate escape from death. Can you tell us that story? Okay. 
Well, the parishioners around his father, Samuel Wesley, didn't like how he would kowtow to the high and the middle classes of people and forget all the, the local peasants and the plebeians. And so they set fire to the home oh where John Wesley lived three times. Oh. And one of them, he was just six or seven years of age, and here's the house burning. Now, let me tell you, as he was uh, being this house, one of the people outside, one of the neighbours, stood on the shoulders of another person and managed to grab him from an upstairs window and save his life. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that, <laughs> I'm just thinking, man, if my parishioners were upset with me, I'm kind of glad they don't come around and set fire to the house. It'd inspire you to some pretty good sermons, wouldn't it? Um, it sure would. Is that why Wesley, as he grew up, had a love for the lower classes of English society? Because his yes. father kind of drifted the other way? Was there a reaction? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he really knew how the local, uh, the lowest class, the peasants, how they felt, and that gave him a big leg in to talking to these all around England as he travelled and preached. In other words, another thing from this uh, saving him from the fire, his mother said he is a brand plucked from the burning. Yeah, so obviously God God is shaping and forming this child to be something very special. Tell us about John Wesley's education. Was he, was he well educated? Well, he was well educated by his mother for 10 years. But then he was put in a school in London called the Charterhouse School, but it was a boarding school and he would walk from Epworth to London to go to school and walk home at the end of the term for holidays. That was a 250-kilometre trip each way. Can you imagine a 10- or 11-year-old doing that today? Was he doing that alone or would he have had someone with him? There would have been others with him, but imagine walking 250k just for your holidays. Some would say that would be an inspiring thing for both Hunty and I to do, walk, 200, <laughs> walk 250k's. Hunty's about to go on holidays. Maybe we should make you walk 250k's, well, Hunty. I wouldn't mind this time. <laughs> okay, so he's, he's educated in this uh, school in London, is that correct? Yes. He then goes on and becomes a pastor or a priest. Is that correct? Well, yeah, before that, he went from that school and enrolled in Oxford in the University at Christ Church College. Yep. And he got a scholarship to go there. And so he spent a bit of time at the university, quite a bit of time. So he was bright. He was bright. But let me tell you, while he was at Oxford, you know, university students mm. are, are noted for kicking around and having a great time. Yeah. John didn't do that. He read books that one of them, The Imitation of Christ, and he wanted to live like Jesus lived. And so he started a club of people, of these university students, who just wanted to live like Jesus. It was called the Holy Club. That's and unbelievable. And John and Charles were mentioned. The Holy Club. Can you imagine that no, at I a can't. university? I can't. Um, and was it a popular club? Was it a big club? Were there many in it or was it just a few? 
well, a, a, quite a number of the Protestant um, reformers came from that club at Oxford. And uh, it's seen as the, the, the birth of Protestantism through England. It amazes me, actually, and I wonder whether it'll happen in our day, how God works so hot in the universities of those days. So many great revivals started with the young people in the universities. Well, uh, this is what he said. He said he knew that to avoid being in the hands of the devil, yeah. he must be totally committed to God. And that was John Wesley. Yeah. So when he finishes from university, tell us what happens. Well, he becomes a deacon in the church. He's ordained that way. Is that and a pastor? He, Is that a pastor? Yes. Yep. Yes. And then one of his friends said, why don't you go across to Georgia in America? And he thought, hey, I can go and help the noble savages. Yep. <laughs> but in the middle of the 18th century, there are a lot of people from Britain that had gone to America. Yeah. And they didn't like him just coming to tell them, be committed to God. You've got to live a holy life. They didn't like that. So the colonials didn't like the message of holiness that he brought to the United States. So he was largely successful and uh, unsuccessful while in the United he States. He was. Yep. But he had a great experience on his ship going over that influenced his life. Yes, tell us about that. On the ship going over, there were some Moravian Christians from the middle of Europe. And these people were totally committed to God and they came to a storm and they just sat together and they prayed and they sang and he said, they don't have a care in their life. Mm -hmm. He said, they've got something that I must have. Yeah. That's the assurance of Christ. That's for sure. So how did he find it? Well, he went back to England and... Uh, as he got to there in London, he met another Moravian pastor. And this guy said, John Wesley is an amiable man, but he doesn't yet rightly know the Saviour. Yes. And he wants to be instructed. And so he, he said, okay, and he started to go to a meeting there. Yes. And what happens at and, that meeting? Well, at that meeting, let me tell you from the uh, his writings... He said, in the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preference, preface to the Epistle to the Romans about a quarter before nine while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ. I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ alone for salvation and assurance was given me that he'd taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. This was the place where he found salvation. So he has a conversion experience, a born-again conversion experience. Then God starts to really work in him. Oh, he does. He becomes and a circuit-riding preacher? Yeah, well, he started preaching with George Whitfield, who was a strict Calvinist. Yes. And while they didn't agree with each other, they were friends. And then he went to uh, uh, Bristol, and there was a place where some of his friends would preach in the open air, and they said, John, you start this. And so he began 
preaching in the outdoors and then became the circuit riding preacher. You know, he rode around England on a horseback. It was, he must have done 50,000 kilometers or something mm. through his lifetime. Just riding you around preaching. It. And he, 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 yeah. would, he would turn up and he, just, he wouldn't hire a church or a hall, he'd just preach in the fields. Well, one, let me tell you one special one, uh, Lloyd. He went back to his home area of Epworth. Mm-hmm. And because he was now a Methodist, the Anglican Church says, you can't preach in the church. Mm-hmm. And so his father had died and his grave was right beside the church. So he jumps up on his father's grave <laughs> and he preaches to the people from his father's grave. Wow. Uh, how many would turn up to listen to him preach? Well, I guess there would be dozens and scores each time because he could preach and they knew what this guy was saying. It was for real. And did it make a difference in England? It did. It made such a difference traveling these 8,000 kilometers a year and preaching two and three times a day for 50 years. They say that England was saved from a revolution like France had because of John Wesley and his ministry and his preaching. Yeah, I've heard that. What a story. I've heard that, whereas the French Revolution went down around about the same time that John Wesley's gospel saved England from the same dreadful experience. He was a man of prayer. Is that correct? He, He was. If you go to London... There's a place in City Road where his last church, after he was circuit riding, he would come back to this church, yeah. this, this house by the church. And if you go in there, it's a museum today of his life. Yes. And in there is a tiny, I would call it a pantry, yeah. just a small, very small room. But he'd go in there regularly, get up very, very early, and he prayed and prayed. And they tell me that's the powerhouse of Methodism. Prayer. Prayer is power. When did he found the Methodist Church? When did he become a part of a breakaway from the Anglican? Uh, the time was probably in the mid-1700s. Uh, mm-hmm. um, he was at Oxford University around 1740. So it would have been to the latter part of the 1700s because he he's a, we call him a Methodist because he had a method. He said everyone has to organize their life. Yeah. You come to a meeting, you come to prayer meeting, and you, you try and emulate the life of Christ. This Methodist, and so they were called Methodists. They were very methodical in their Bible study too, weren't they? Very much so, and he actually wrote a lot of the lessons for them to read in these gatherings while he was riding his horse around the country. Did he preach and teach and minister until he died? Yes, right through right through to the end, and he was then, would have been something like 80, uh, 83, is it, 88, 88, when he died, it was in 1791, and uh, it was a sad day for England. But, you know, there's a few other great things about about Wesley. Yes. People ask him, where was his parish? Because everyone else had a parish. Yeah. And this man said, the world is my parish. Yeah, I like and that. And if you go to his church today, right there by the gate, there is this statement, the world is my parish. Yeah. 
and yeah. when he died, there were members. Uh, there were a hundred and um, there were five hundred and forty preachers and one hundred and thirty-five thousand members. Uh, he really started a movement for Jesus in this world. And the Methodist Church, the Methodist movement, has been a great blessing for the Protestant movement since the time it of sure, Wesley. It sure has. In fact, the um, the Adventist Church, the one we belong to, um, large sections of our church came out of the Methodist Church, I believe. Yeah, many members came from the Methodist to join the Adventist Church. And uh, in the Adventist Church today, much of John Wesley's influences are still felt, even down to how we worship. Yes, uh, we even got from the Methodist how often we have communion service, for yeah, instance. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have a lot to thank uh, John Wesley and God's moving in his life. Is there one last thing you'd like to share with us about John Wesley before we close? I'd like to talk about his rule for Christian living. That's fantastic. Let me read it to you. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. That was John Wesley. Actually, when you listen to that little poem, you get a sense of the power of what it must have been like to listen to this man preach. He was a great preacher, and uh, we're just so thankful that this man, who came from a little village of Epworth, became such a great leader for God. I love the fact that we can reflect on the lives of these men, and I guess it's not until heaven will we ever know the influences that they even have had on our own walks with Christ. That's right. Thank you, Harold Harker, for this wonderful story of John Wesley, a true champion of God. And we look forward to talking to you again soon as you'll unpack for us another wonderful story from the days of the Reformation. God bless. Thank you, Lloyd. Goodbye for now. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. He's an amazing bloke, that John Wesley. Absolutely. Yeah, I've always enjoyed researching his story, reading what he wrote, what he did. I went to England and actually followed in his footsteps a bit a while back, and it was very, very encouraging and inspiring. What a tremendous guy he was. Indeed. I really did enjoy that talk with Harold. Yes, he's a, he's a top bloke, eh? Now, I want to do something, Hunty. Yep. I actually want to open this program up. Great. If you have a question, any question... Now, I'm going to make a promise here to our listeners. You can text that question now to me, and I will deal with that question if I can. Sometimes people send questions in I can't answer. Right. But, but if you want to, you can text the question in to me. A little later on in the program, I'll read your question out, and I'll have a go at answering it. Excellent. The phone number, hunty. The phone number. Now, I'm going to read it okay. because I don't like the way you read it. Oh, here we go. Zero four triple eight. Oh. Eight zero eight five one. Did you see how nicely that rang? You have no phone rhythm. Let me try it again then. Go again. Zero four triple eight eight zero eight five one. You missed the zero. Zero four triple eight eight zero eight five one. I still think you have no phone rhythm. Let me show you how it's supposed to be done. O four double eight 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 oh eight five one. 
You're not even supposed to use Three O when you're, when you when you when you're reading out phone numbers at zero, not hey, O. Let's not confuse the facts of my story here. <laughs> the, the bottom line is, I, I'd love to hear from you today. We would, and and if you have a question, you want to make a comment, and you want it read out here on radio, one more time. There we go. Zero four triple eight eight zero eight five one. Perfect. Now it doesn't stop there, Hunty. It doesn't. If you go to AussiePastor.com. Correct. You'll see a in the top right hand corner today's offer. That's right. Now we're going to do a Bible study in the not too distant future today. A bit later in the program. Yep. That's right. On the Bible, can you trust it? Thank goodness you had me worried then. I thought we're jumping to it now. <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry, mate. If you go to AussiePastor dot com, yep, you can take today's free offer right now. Just put your name it's, and details there, and we'll get you today's free offer sure. out. It's also a great way to connect with the Aussie Pastor as well. You can yeah. watch our live television programs. You can um, avail yourself of other free offers. You're talking about AussiePastor.com. I am. Yeah. com. So. Top right hand corner. Yep. Today's offer. One more time. Yes. If you want to talk to us right now. Any questions, Lloyd just said he will answer. Well, I'll we'll have a go at Yeah, I'm going to have a go. <laughs> I'm an Aussie. I'll have a go. That's it. Zero four triple eight eight zero eight five one. You know, I've never managed to stump him. <laughs> and I've tried. That's not true, actually. As soon as we get mechanical, you stump me real oh, fast. I meant Bible questions. Tech. Bible questions I've never stumped. <laughs> but I yet. can be stumped quite easily. But have a go. See how you go. And to connect with today's free offer, just go to aussiepastor.com, fill your name out, give us the details, and we'll send it out to you. It is a fantastic Bible study on the subject, the Bible. Absolutely. Can you trust it? going to listen to a beautiful song now. I, have, I only heard this song... Uh, a week or so ago, it's it's called "I'm Dwelling on the Mountain." It's by Vocal Union, and it is a beauty. I am dwelling on a mountain where the golden sunlight gleams in a land whose wondrous beauty far exceeds my fondest dreams. Is not this the land of Beulah? Blessed, blessed land of light, where the flowers bloom forever. treasures, nor adorning rich and gay, for I found a richer treasure, one that fadeth not away, for I found a richer treasure. that song wow very very nice you know if i could replay that again and listen to it again i would uh-huh. 
one of the ways I drive my wife crazy is I get a song and I like it, so I'll be sitting up in bed and I'm on YouTube and she's next to me and she's reading something. I'll just listen to this song, if I find one, half a dozen, dozen times. Huh, we are very similar. I will binge a song as well. Yeah, I just and I really, really like that song because it's a song about dwelling on the mountain with God. It can be here on earth. You know, it's a beautiful experience to walk with Jesus while you're here on this earth. Absolutely. A lot of people don't get that walking with Jesus is the only way you'll ever find peace. That's right. Not a cliché. It's the only way you'll find peace, peace, and it's the only way you can be complete. You can't be complete if you're not walking with Jesus. That's what that song was. Well, could, could have been talking about that. could also be talking about the joys of what it'll be like in heaven, but I think it's talking about life on this earth with Jesus Christ, dwelling on the mountain with Christ. Really, really like that song. Mm, me too. Hey, Hunty. Yeah, mate. Did you know I like prophecy? Oh, yeah, so do I. I love Bible prophecy. It's awesome. And we're living in a world right now where Bible prophecy is a big deal. Yes. And so I'm reading my Bible. I'm studying my Bible quite intently and quite deeply, especially in the areas of prophecy. And then I'm looking at the world and I'm trying to work out, do we live in this time? Now, one of the things I've discovered, and I think on this program in the future, not too distant future, we ought to get into some Bible prophecy. What yeah, do you reckon? Let's. It's really exciting stuff. Let's put them in our Bible study section. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it'll be really fun yep. and, and really enjoyable. And, and relevant. Yeah, really bless our listeners. One of the things I've discovered, particularly in Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 13, is the prominence of the United States of America in the end of time in Bible prophecy. Correct. And a lot of people out there, perhaps a lot of our listeners, don't realize that the Bible is very clear that America will play a very prominent role at the end of time. In fact, a role where she is defined and described as the most powerful nation on earth and will cause the world, in the end, to bow down and to worship the sea beast. I'm not going to open that up too much today. But I will in the future. Yep. But I've got a question for you, Hunty. China's on the rise. Yes. In fact, you look at China. We're talking about it today. Look at the infrastructure building on that, in that nation. Oh, it's massive. Buildings. Dams. Bridges. stations. Roads. Roads. Uh, you talk about railways. Uh, they've got super fast trains. Yep. That country is transforming, that nation is transforming overnight. Mm -hmm. Now, on top of that, they have now the, the largest navy in the world. Did you know that? I did not. Wow. They have hypersonic missiles. Do you know what that means? That's very scary. Do you know how fast hypersonic Well, I know what supersonic is. What's, what's, su what's supersonic? Well, that's anything from the speed, the sound of, um, the sound of our voices. Now you're on live radio. That's right. It's anything faster than the speed of sound. The speed of sound. Is that supersonic? That's supersonic, yeah, which is about 1,100 kilometres an hour. I actually looked it up. Hypersonic is somewhere between five and 6,000 mile an hour. That's 10,000 These hypersonic missiles that they say are carrier uh, sinkers. In other words, if they hit a US aircraft carrier, they can sink them. So you've got China. Five. Wow. China is, is, is the rising power in the world. And you look at China and you go, wow. How's America going to deal with that? And then you go from China across to Russia. Now, right now, on the Russian-Ukraine border, there are 60,000-plus Russian troops massing, and it looks like there could be a war. Showdown at the very least. They have an incredible army, a powerful navy and air force, and again, these hypersonic missiles. Wow. So I look at China, and then I look at... Russia, how is the United States going to 
for want of a better word, put itself on the top of the pile. If the Bible is true and at the end of time the United States of America will be the power that will force the entire world to acknowledge that sea, but how are they going to do it? Shock and awe. Yeah, it makes you wonder. I mean, Jesus. Probably from the air. Well, is it going to be militarily? Is it going to be economically? We just don't know. True. Jesus says in Matthew 24, and he sits on the, with the disciples up on the Mount of Olives. You remember when we went to the Mount of Olives? Oh, that's great. I keep, what was it, a year and a half ago? Oh, man, what a good time. We went to the Mount of Olives. Didn't we have a good time, hunty? That was a great trip. It was a very, very special trip, a wonderful trip, actually. And we sat on the Mount of Olives pretty much exactly where Jesus would have sat for his disciples. And his disciples said, tell us, what will it be like at the end of the world? And Jesus said, well, and then he lists a whole lot of things of what it would be like at the end of the world. One of the things he said is that there will be wars and rumours of war. Now, I'm a student of history. I'm also a student of prophecy. I know what the Bible says about America. I know the Bible is very clear that the United States will be the power at the time of the end. But I have no idea how that's going to happen. We live in interesting, frightening, and very sobering times, and we need Jesus in our lives to face these frightening times like never before. Will there be war? I don't know. Will there be economic sanctions? Economic pressure? I'm not sure. But what I do know for sure is when the Bible says America will be there, you can trust the Bible, it will be there. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This next song's one of my favourites. Really? Don't mind. you You like Alan Jackson? Yeah, don't mind the guy singing it either. I couldn't say that this version is my favorite. In fact, you know my favorite version? What's that? Kenny Rogers. Oh, wow. But I couldn't find Kenny Rogers on the <laughs> on list. On the playlist. <laughs> yeah, the playlist. <laughs> the official playlist. Yeah. Kenny Rogers actually sings it better than Alan Jackson. Wow. But Alan Jackson sings it pretty well. And you know what? In a love, in a world full of the threat of war, of hate, of violence, go online, you see the social disturbance there. Is ever there a time when we needed the love of Jesus in our hearts so we can share it with others? Is ever there a time more than we need it now? Love Lifted Me by Alan Jackson. Let's enjoy this song. I'm sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despair and cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. Nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me All my heart to Him I give Ever to Him I'll cling 
His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, marries my soul's best songs. Faithful, loving service to to Him belongs. Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. program today, Greg Pillay. He's a colleague of mine. So glad to have you on board. Good to be here, Pastor Lloyd. Appreciate that. Now, you have a very interesting background. You were not born in Australia. Tell us a little bit about that. Thank you. Yes, I was born in South Africa, born and raised in South Africa. However, um, I'm a fourth generation, fourth, fifth generation Indian. Okay, um, an Indian born in South Africa, but fourth generation. So somewhere in the past, your great 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 grandfather and grandmother came from India to South Africa. Yes. Do you know? Do you know what they were doing when they came to South Africa? Well, uh, the history says that uh, they were brought from India to South Africa as indentured laborers to work on the sugarcane plantations. Oh, does that and, uh, does that mean they yes. were slaves, basically? So, yeah, I just wanted to be a bit more, <laughs> yeah, basically it's slavery. Well, the reason I ask that is because we actually had um, Indigenous people from the Torres Strait and Solomon Islands brought over to Australia as indentured, what did you call it, indentured La- labourers, and they were literally slaves too. Um, yeah. Did they? Do you know whether they came willingly or not? Well... Yes, I think it's, that, and that's the reason why they were called indentured, because they willingly came yes. on the proviso that they will work for five years, and after five years, you had the option of going back home, it's a free passage back home to India. Yes. The other option was, if you'd like to live in South Africa, you were given a piece of land, etc. But uh, it sounds good that the history documents that they were heavily um, uh, Slavery was unbearable, the, the work that they did. When you were born in South Africa, you brought up in apartheid. Do you remember when apartheid came down? Yes, I remember. Uh, I was uh, 18 years old at that time, um, 1992. Okay. Uh, and uh, I remember in 1994, we had the elections, and we were not allowed to uh, vote. So with the first time, black people... Uh, including Indians and coloreds were marching to the polls. And Mandela was the, uh, 
the candidate to occupy the presidency of South Africa. When apartheid came down in South Africa, you're 18, so you're a young man. Did it, Im- yeah. did it immediately make a difference? Did you notice immediately a difference in, in my country, South Africa? Oh, it wasn't an immediate. It was a gradual process. Uh, and uh, credit to the first black president, Mandela, uh, he made some significant changes. But uh, the beauty of his leadership was that he worked with his oppressors together. Yeah. And uh, and uh, that's an amazing, remarkable achievement where uh, he fostered uh, this cohesive understanding of uh, working together as uh, different race groups. Yeah, from afar, yeah. Nelson Mandela just seemed like an incredibly uniting figure for a country that had been divided for decades. And it is, it is, it is. Maybe in the future, South Africa will have much to thank Nelson Mandela for. Yeah, we do, yeah. So you were born Christian? No, no, no. I was born a Hindu. Uh, my family are all Hindus. Uh, they still practice Hinduism, as, uh, as I currently speak. Well, you're a Christian now. Tell us about the journey of your family and even yourself from Hinduism, because it's quite a journey, and, and the, the two great religions, Hinduism and Christianity, are far, far apart, really, aren't they? Tell us about that oh, journey yes. from Hinduism to Christianity. Yes, uh, Lloyd, uh, it is, as you rightly said, they are pulled apart in terms of uh, the thinking and the paradigm. Tell us a little bit about Hinduism. What is a Hindu? What do they believe? Hinduism is a complex religion, Lloyd. It uh, is the belief. Actually, it is a belief. They do believe in one God. It's actually the word Hinduism is a recent development yep. by the foreigners or the uh, colonizers. Yes. Um, the correct word for the religion is Sanatan Dharma, meaning the eternal religion. Yes. And basically what it means is the belief in one God, but God is manifested in different forms. Okay. And therefore they, they, they make idols representing the attributes of the God. For example, oh. if you want to think of God as a powerful uh, person, as, as one with strength, they will think of an animal with strength, so elephant oh. is symbolic. And so uh, intelligence of God, so they're maybe a monkey, uh, uh, those kind of things of the, uh, the religion. But it's a, it, it, the complicated part is in reincarnation, that yeah. you're reborn, you're reborn. So the worldview of Hinduism is, is cyclical worldview. You go round and round un, until you get liberated, and uh, that is called moksha, and you become actually part of God. Is it difficult for a Hindu to become a Christian? It's not difficult, but it is a long process uh, because Hinduism is so tolerant of other religions. You yes. Know? With three million deities, one more won't make a difference. <laughs> so are they, uh, are they actually they, happy to have Jesus as... Yes, yes, yes. Very so. Uh, there's a, a neighbor of ours that we grew up back in uh, back on South Africa. He has a shrine, a shrine in front of his home, and uh, he has a picture of Jesus in his shrine uh, with the other 
deities that he has in the shrine. Oh, so they do pray. They do pray to Jesus. They pray to you know. If you are reborn and into this life, and the reason why you have difficulties is in the previous life, you were something that was bad, mm. and now you you're copying it now. Mm. You're having sicknesses. You're having. All you have to do is just put up with it. In the next life, you'll be you'll transmigrate and you'll evolve into a better life form. So the question was, if I'm suffering now, what? I don't know what I've done in the past to have this, and what kind of a god will hook up this system? Mm, mm, mm. So, which is a real practical question, and, mm, mm. and that's the question. Many people still ask me while wrestling with their faith as I challenge them to think deeply about mm. their faith, their Hindu religion. Mm. I've got a lot of Hindu friends that I dialogue with, and I, mm. you know, I, I ask them that in a respectful way, mm-hmm. uh, and they say, "Wow, I never thought about it." And I always had this question with me for for years, but I didn't ask anyone. I just lived with it, and I was a bit rebellious. And when I came to about 15, 16, this is my testimony now yes. of how I got converted. Yes. Uh, I was a nominal Adventist uh, at that time because I wanted to own my own spirituality. Uh, I wanted to discover truth for myself. I wanted to know who Jesus is for myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to believe something because Dad accepted this, so I just need to believe it, you know. Yeah. So I investigated, I studied for myself, and I found that the claims that Jesus made in the Bible was who he claimed to be, was true and authentic. And therein uh, started to be involved in church, just, you know, was passionate about uh, doing things in the church for God, getting involved, getting involved, and uh, eventually was witnessing to my friends, and they joined the church, gave Bible studies, around that age, 16, 17. So it had been an incredible journey. Yeah, you you came to the Lord still reasonably young. Uh, so mm. here you are in Australia. You're a pastor. I'm, I don't know you that well. I'm guessing you're married. Tell us about you. I am. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm imagining you've got children too. <laughs> yes, I've got two children. Yeah. 15 and 16. Yeah, so we're 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 a long way down the road from fifteen to sixteen. Just tell us briefly about how you go from being a young, baptized Adventist Christian in South Africa to being now a senior pastor here in Australia. Yeah, we thank God for that experience. Uh, so I was working in the family business uh, as an electrical fitter. My dad owned a business together with his brother. And um, since, as you've heard, I was involved in church, I I felt called that God is leading me towards working full-time for him. I don't know what it was, a pastor or whatever. I wanted to just do something. Mm-hmm. And I felt impressed, deeply impressed about going to study. And uh, so I ended up at Elderberg College preparing for the ministry. And um, that in itself is a testimony of how I went to study at Elderberg College in South Africa, Cape Town. Mm -hmm. Because initially I didn't meet the criteria uh, for entering 
university or entering college. In other and, words, uh, your, your, I, was that because your school marks weren't good enough or you hadn't gone far enough in school? Yes, I, 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 the marks, uh, my grades at, uh, for HSC or the matric exam, yeah. uh, I, I didn't meet the requirements, so the grades were low. Now, for our listeners, and, uh, who, for our listeners who don't know, Helderberg College is a, a college of advanced education in South Africa. It's an Adventist higher college. Education, Adventist, yes. Yeah. So you go I, there, you can't get in. What happens? Well, I, I write a, a moving letter to the head of department of uh, theology, saying that uh, of my call uh, and appeal to him, and then uh, I receive a call home. And he makes, uh, I don't want to, a deal. He says, yes. uh, we'll try you out for the first semester and see how you perform. If you do well, we'll keep you in the program. If not, you know, at least you've tried and, uh, you know. Yeah. And he comforted, he comforted me with the words that maybe God has some other things <laughs> for you to do. So I thought, I wondered what are the things I want to study. So I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, uh, there's an opening here. You've got to increase my mental capacity. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I go down uh, to Alderberg College, which is about a 1,700 kilometers by bus or by car, drove down there, took the bus, and I uh, sat for the first semester, and the semester began, I, I was at the last semester. Yeah. In yeah. Uh, October, I, I arrived. And at that time, you're doing courses like Greek 1, you're doing systematic theology, introduction to systematic, all those big books and I was afraid. I said, Lord, <laughs> I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but if you call me, uh, you're going to increase my capacity. Mm. Lloyd, after three months the semester, I graduated. I, I, I got grades that I was really shocked myself uh, because it, it was with distinctions. Yeah, I passed all those subjects with distinction mm. and so the professor said man you're going to walk through this course by the indication of those grades that you are demonstrated yeah. and I graduated with my BA theology with uh, distinction yeah. and honors so you become a pastor so we praise God for that you became be- a pastor graduated and then worked as a pastor in South Africa for a couple of years till I moved to Australia and so now you're a, a pastor here in Australia in, in Newcastle correct Correct, yes. And you have a very passionate interest in music. Tell us about that. Well, Lloyd, I always wanted to be a musician, a full-time musician, um, and I wanted to study music. But in order to study music uh, at the university, you got to do music at school. But yes. I, unfortunately, I couldn't do music in school because the system allowed only those people who did well in maths and science could yeah. do music, and uh, those who didn't do well did health education. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. My wife did um, music in school, uh, and she becomes the doctor, and I didn't. Do music, and I'm a musician mm-hmm. as well. So that's an interesting fact. But yeah, so I said to the Lord, I, this is what I love to do, but I praise Him now that I can do music and mm. ministry mm. together. Yeah. And um, I thank Him for the gifts that He has given Him. Yeah. So you've been singing, you're playing musical instruments, you've cut albums, is that correct? 
Yes, yes, I've done a, an album, uh, which uh, the songs that I've uh, that are, that is on the album is were written twenty years ago by you uh, in South Africa. Yes, uh, and um, and I couldn't I couldn't release it. I couldn't produce it because it was expensive. Yeah, coming to Australia uh, was an opportunity where I could uh, realize my dreams. And uh, thank God for that. And, uh, and I produced uh, an album entitled Never Let Go. Well, I want to thank you so much for the interview today and for the story of your life. What an interesting life it has been from Hindu to Christianity to pastor and how God has led you. We're going to uh, now lead into one of your songs and perhaps you can introduce it for us. Well, the song that you're going to hear is uh, Never Let Go, which is the title of the album. It's a song that... Uh, uh, when I was at college, uh, going through difficulties, especially with fees, how are you going to pay your studies for your studies, etc. Um, and I reached a rock bottom. And uh, these are the words that came when I went to the uh, music room. They sat at the piano there and just wrote the song in, a, in five minutes. The lyrics just flowed. I guess it was an inspired moment at that time. And... Uh, it's a song that is close to my heart. Never let go.
listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I enjoyed that interview. Yeah, what an amazing I like man. talking to that guy. Yeah, me too. And what a journey he's had. Now, I want to remind you, if you would like, and they're coming in, aren't they, Hunty? They are. Left, right, so and centre. Fast, I can't keep up. <laughs> in fact, we're going to have to, are we going to change our software here a bit so it's a little bit to. better? We're going to have to because they're coming in so fast I can't even deal with it. That's cool, but keep them coming in. I'm going to give you the phone number because I want to put Hunty, we all want to put Hunty under pressure. Yeah, that's the plan. 04888 <laughs> <laughs> 80851. One more time, 04888-80851. You keep those questions coming in, and we're going to have a go at answering them today. If too many come in, what will we do, Hunty? I will answer them next time. So next week we'll... Next week, for sure. At the beginning of the program, eh? I'll, I've got some music to play. I'll sort through these over the next couple of songs and get them back to you. Okay. Hunty's going to have a real go here, I but keep them coming in. Let's, 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 <laughs> let's bury Hunty under a tsunami <laughs> of SMSs. SMSs. <laughs> in fact, I think we got one message, Hunty, yep. that said you say it right. I got one message and it says, I actually, the rhythm of my phone number is better than yours. Let, let's hear it one more time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh four double eight 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 oh eight five one. It does sound pretty good. Oh, thanks. Zero four triple eight eight zero eight five one. I don't know. I don't know. You have to think about I that. I think people will like it differently. I think some will like me, some will like you. Maybe we'll have a poll on it sometime <laughs> <laughs> if we've run out of things to say, which is not likely. In fact, I've got a pretty good idea who that text message came yeah, so from. do I, actually. I reckon it's come from his wife, who is our number one <laughs> listener. Thank you, young lady, for supporting your husband. Um, this next song is a beautiful song. Um, again, for Anna Beden. I think we have played Anna Beden more times on this program than anybody else. We do love her. And you know what? In the next few weeks, I've been talking to Anna Beden. We're going to get her Online here, we're going to do an interview with her yes. on this program. Yes, we're going to find out her story because it's a beauty. I have known Anna Beden from birth. Wow, I was pretty much her pastor when she came into the world, making me feel well. If anyone can get hold of her, then you got a good chance. Yeah, we're really good friends. Actually, her parents are beautiful people. She comes from a great family up there on the Sunshine Coast. And this song, "A Beating Heart" from Anna Beden, it's a beauty. chest beats a heart You have always blessed but I've pushed you apart I've never had a test that I've passed My life was a mess from the start But you smile
Today. His name is Christian Cappuccino. Christian, welcome. Thank you, Lloyd. Good to be here. Now, you have had a very interesting journey. You weren't born in Australia, is that correct? That's right, Lloyd. From Romania originally, my parents came here as refugees, um, religious refugees, when Romania was still a communist country. Um, being a Seventh-day Adventist there wasn't very easy, and so they decided to flee and give us a, a better chance at uh, worshipping freely. Um, came to Australia, grew up in Sydney uh, when I was about uh, 20 or so. Um, was uh, on a Bible trivia site online and uh, just uh, polishing my Bible skills as a theology student and got chatting to someone that was also there and happened to be Erica. We got talking, spent about a year or so talking, getting to know each other and she ended up coming to Australia and the rest is history. Actually, it is a great story, you know, because here you are, you're studying to be a pastor. You're online, correct? Yes. And your Bible trivia, this is something you're doing with your home country, Romania, is that correct? You're, you're back. That's right, yeah. And you meet Erica online, you develop that relationship, and you end up falling in love. <laughs> That's right. How's it been for Erica coming to Australia? She's really enjoyed it. She's fantastic with languages, speaks quite a few and picks them up easy. She had lived in a few different places and came out, integrated very well. She loves it here, so this is home for her. has been for me. We really enjoy it. And you've got two beautiful little girls, or they might not be so little now. <laughs> well, still little to us, nine and seven. Yep. And enjoying life. We're living in Canberra at the moment. Fantastic place for families, and uh, they're enjoying everything. You are 
the president or the lead pastor of the area, South New South Wales, the conference where I come from. Um, okay, whereabouts? Uh, my my grandfather was one of the pioneers of NARA. Adventist Church. Okay. And in fact, my yes. grandfather and father and some others, of course, built Nara Church. My grandfather was wow. a, was a, uh, sawdust tent pastor evangelist who would go around his whole career, just went from town to town doing, uh, evangelism programs and tents. And just before he retired, he ends up in Nara. And, uh, if you go into the Nara Church and you have a look at the, the entrance, you'll see a little plaque there with my grandfather's name on it. So. Um, I will do that next time I'm there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and f- in fact, I, I remember as a child going to your, the, the South New South Wales camp meeting up in, uh, Goulburn. I think yeah, that's all that's changed right. now, but yeah, so you're, you're in a good place, uh, South New South Wales, uh, a place close to my heart. Now, what I really wanted to talk to you about was Faith FM, the radio station we're now speaking to you from. You have an interesting journey with Faith FM. In fact, it's only through God's leading in your life and the Holy Spirit that Faith FM exists. Tell us the story. Growing up, we always had a a very strong mission outlook. Coming from a communist country where sharing your faith was illegal, you come to Australia and it's wonderful that you can share faith freely. Um, I went into ministry for the very reason of sharing hope with people who don't know Jesus. I was pastoring in Gippsland. We were door knocking. We were doing all sorts of other ministries to reach people, but people are increasingly more close to cold calls or or people they don't know. So we really prayed and wrestled with the local churches there. How do we connect with people who aren't reading literature, who aren't opening doors, who aren't turning up to events? And we stumbled across radio as a means of getting into people's homes. So we uh, we prayed. We knew nothing about radio, but we prayed and we said, Lord, if this is from you, uh, give us some wisdom, give us some direction to know that you're blessing this. And, uh, the, yeah, that's how it started, just on our knees in prayer, finding ways to reach people um, that were closed through other avenues. How did you stumble across it? I mean, how do you stumble across radio? Well, we were looking at what sort of media could reach people's homes through closed doors, and we looked at television, television is very cost prohibitive and yeah. the two small country churches in um in regional Victoria with some of the highest unemployment rates, yeah. you're not gonna spend uh, you know, a billion dollars just to buy a station. We looked at radio and then we discovered that, you know, high powered commercial radio is very expensive, but as we worked our way down through the list of available media we came across um low powered open narrow casting, which is small licenses available in uh well in a lot of different places but more in rural areas and we yep. discovered that, that was a bit cheaper, uh not as cost prohibitive and we said, Well we don't have any money, but if we're gonna pray we're gonna pray for small miracles. We'll start with that what we think uh, is feasible. So you're in two local I don't know whether they're small or medium sized ch- churches, but they're in the country. Uh, you don't, churches, yeah. yeah, you don't have a lot of money. Tell us practically what happens. How did you find a Faith FM narrowcast radio station? We got together a group of members from both of the churches, small country churches, and we started praying. We said, Lord, if this is from you, um, first of all, we need some money. Before we even start doing any more homework, we need some money. And we're not going to go out fundraising. There are needs for all sorts of other ministries, but we want to know that this is of you. If we get money, we'll start doing some homework. Within the first week, without actually asking people, 
we received about six thousand dollars in donations. God is good. An anonymous check here, an anonymous envelope there. Yeah. Um, and then we started some homework. We rang ACMA, trying to get some details on how narrow casting works. That's the government agency responsible for radio frequencies. We started talking to people that had some sort of exposure to radio, yep. and just really learned from there. Discovered there were a few towns in our area where there were licenses still available. They were so small that nobody was really interested. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The first one of those was a town called Toongabby, where yes. one of our members and co-founders of Faith FM lives, Michael Fingerbread, who is still uh, managing and running radio at the moment on Faith FM. Yes, yes. And uh, to get an example of how small the town is, is they don't have letterboxes in town. Okay. <laughs> so you go to the local milk bar, which is your local post office, which is your local everything, yep. and there are little boxes that you collect your mail from about couple of maybe 100 homes, 300 people in the area, and wow. uh, we applied for a license and got that station up on air, kind yep. of fumbled our way through the kind of equipment we'd need, but yep. yeah, got that one up on air. Do you, do you remember that first day you went live? That was pretty exciting. You get in the car, you turn the radio on, and you're driving out of town. Yeah, and you can hear the gospel being preached. It's uh, it's a pretty exciting experience. It's a thrilling experience, actually, isn't it? When something it like is, that yeah. comes, it's. I don't reckon, Christian, that anything is better in all the world than when you, with the help of God, pull a plan together like that, and then you hear the gospel going out public to the area that God's That's given right. you to witness to. Hey, that first radio station. What impact did it have on your little town? Because there aren't a lot of radio stations out there. Um, Michael and the family that lived in there started hearing from people they were interacting with that they were stumbling across it. So straight away we knew after just a few months that people were stumbling across it and were listening to it. And, you know, um, sometimes we're concerned about people necessarily starting to attend church right away. But yeah. for us it was a long-term journey. Yeah. The fact that they were stumbling across it and listening to it was exciting because now we're able to be in their homes, whereas before we had no access to these hearts. Yeah. So, so, so you have one... You have one station. Where does it go mm-hmm. from there until we have Faith FM today? The team continued to pray, and as we did, funds came through. We began to learn more about the industry. We started to make connections with other radio operators around the country. Um, and within probably about a year or so, we've gone from that $6,000 in the first week to about sixty, seventy thousand dollars that had come in donations. We found wow. other licenses in the region that were either available um, because nobody had applied for them yet, or other operators were selling them. Yep. I think towards the end of the second year, um, someone donated about half a million dollars. Wow! And that allowed us to buy stations that covered all of Adelaide, the city. And we bought some other um, networks in major regional centres: Ballarat, Bendigo, Warrnambool. Um, we bought a network of radio stations in Tasmania that covered the, the North Coast and uh, it just continued to grow from there. More stations coming on air, uh, people responding, more donations, people walking into churches. It just it snowballed and that was without actually asking for money. He was saying, Lord, if you want it to grow, then you'll have to send the funds and people would be impressed, convicted. Some of them were church members. Uh, by the second third year, we started to get some donations from listeners as well. Yeah. And we weren't asking, we weren't advertising, no, we weren't no. doing, you know, donation of songs. It was just they were enjoying it and saying we'd love to be able to help. How big is Faith FM now? It's covering just a little over 6 million people in Australia in terms of population reach, over 150 active stations in some major regional areas, and it's growing. They've got 
uh, about four full-time employees and there's one person that spends uh, pretty much most of his time launching and installing new stations. So we, so are, still, to the, we are still seeing new stations come on board? We are, yeah, and there are a lot of licenses uh, still in uh, the pipeline to be activated. More and more stations will come online. Look, it's a fabulous ministry, uh, and, and, and it just warms my heart to see how God used you, a humble pastor in a tiny little, really, ministry parish to shake mm. Australia to its foundations. Stories. Have you got a story that uh, uh, that, that hangs heavily in your mind of someone who's found Jesus through this ministry? Oh, God, there are so many exciting stories uh, to share. Um, the first one that comes to mind is a mother dropping off her children uh, at an activity after hours, sitting in the car, tunes uh, into the radio, hears the gospel, and because we have our stations localized, so that means they can advertise local events, yep. um, there was a little church hiring a facility. They didn't even have money for their own building. Uh, they couldn't produce content, but they said, could you please advertise our worship services in the rented hall? Yeah. We did that. This mother sits in the car, listens to the radio, hears that there's a local Adventist group gathering, and next time that she turns up to church, I heard from her when she got baptized. That's wow. one that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, another family that I'm aware of, they were both involved in the occult. And as uh, they were changing the CD in their car, driving through one day, uh, you know, you've got that, 10, 20 seconds yeah. break when you take the yes. CD out and put another one in. Yes. And it somehow flicked to Faith FM. Oh, they dear. started listening. That was on a Friday. The next morning, they were at an Adventist church um, and left behind their occult press. She was a medium. She would speak yeah. to the supposed dead. Um, he was into astral traveling. Um, taxi driver listens to Faith FM on his way to work, um, driving people around. He comes to church, brings his mother. His mother ends up getting baptized first, and she's been a major donor to Faith FM over the years. So uh, well, I, could, uh, I could go through lots of really exciting stories. Probably another favorite of mine, a young man um, wants to commit suicide, goes to buy his last packet of cigarettes, comes home, turns the radio on. He's used to listening to a heavy metal rock station, uh, but it's Faith FM. It's the gospel. He decides not to end his life. He listens to the radio a few more days, turns up to church. He rings me up about a year later. He says, I'm a member of this church. We want to promote Faith FM. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about your story. And he tells me that he was close to committing suicide until he heard the radio, turned up to church. He's an active member of his local church. So uh, story after story of God's incredible leading in people's lives. Yeah, look, it is such a powerful thing to be able to share Jesus across the radio. You know what? We have a television ministry, as you know, in mm, Australia. Yeah. Hunty and I, that's our producer director here, Hunty. We reckon that Faith FM radio is one of the most effective means of sharing Jesus out there. As, in fact, if you, and we've done work on channel 10 and channel 9 and with Faith, F, Faith FM. We believe Faith FM is more powerful Absolutely. than those commercial television stations in Jesus being able to reach into homes and to people's lives around Australia. And, and I just thank God for you, Christian. I thank God. We, for you. we praise God. Yeah, I mm. thank God for your ministry. I thank God that you listened to the Holy Spirit. And I thank God that you had the faith to step out with no money um, and only a hope in God. And we have this tremendously powerful witness of the love of Jesus who gives hope right around Australia now. Thank you so much, Christian. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for having me. Yeah, may God bless your ministry, and I hope we can talk to you again. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunty. Yeah, mate. Did you know that I married Christian to his wife? Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah, I did many years ago. Oh, that's very cool. Never never thought that he would end up launching a, a powerful radio ministry here in Australia. It's just going to get bigger and bigger, Faith FM. Yes. Because God's going to use this radio station to take the message of Jesus to Australia. Yes. And if ever there's a people who need to hear about Jesus, it's our own Australian brothers and sisters. And so if you are here on this radio station and you are with us today, then you be very sure Jesus led you here. Amen. Now, Hunty. Yes. We're getting some messages. We are. I've, I've managed to curate a few for you. Our, um, our software, we're going to kind of make that a bit easier for you in the next week or two. But I'll guarantee you this, and, and this to our listeners, we are going to make this Ask the Aussie pastor a question. Surely we can do it better yes, than that. I love it. <laughs> Ask let's, the Aussie pastor a question. Let's make it a, a segment of our program. We're going to make it a big segment of yep. our program yep. because this is a new program we can switch and turn around. I want to answer these questions as best I can. Great. Um, and if we get used to this, we may even start taking questions live. That's yes. a bit risky, oh, isn't I it? I we could go maybe to phone-in questions. Yeah, that's a bit risky. Do, do we need another team member here to juggle to all this? Phone. Well, yeah, yes, to juggle all this we do. tech that's going on. Someone needs to answer the phone and, and make sure that the person calling is not after a pizza. Actually, do you know the, <laughs> the studio, and I'm sharing this with our listeners, the studio that this is coming out of in northwest Sydney is actually my front lounge room. That's right, your family room. Yep, we've completely lost it. It is just full right. of tech. We've taken it over. But it, Hunty's just shifted, so it's about to go over to... It is. Praise the Lord, my wife is rejoicing. <laughs> it's about to go over to Hunty's... To my family room. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't wait. Actually, nice. we're still going to use it as a studio because we've got some other stuff that we might share with you guys yeah, later do. on. But Well, this next song's a beauty. Well, hang on. Do you want to ask me questions now? No, no, no. Oh. I'll, I'll answer the questions in a minute when in we minute. get into the Bible All study right. section. Okay. See, because we're doing this live, we ha- and we weren't going to do this today, were we, Hunty? No, this is this is developed. We are just walking in the spirit here, That's as nice. the Lord uh, challenges us. Uh, this next song, I just want to know to be where you are by Don Moen. It's a beautiful song. It's been around for a while, but it's one of those touching songs that I think gives us a little glimpse into the beauty of Jesus and how much He wants to hang with us. Let's hear it. Yeah. 
presence Feasting at your table And surrounded by your glory In your presence That's where I always want to be I just want to be just want to be with you. I just want to be where you are. Dwelling daily in your presence. Dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near. Draw me near to where you song, Hundy. Wow, that was beautiful. I think we could use that song at church in our congregational yeah, singing. Let's. And listen, if let's you introduce if you are in Northwest Sydney this Saturday, ten o'clock, we would like to welcome you to our church. Yes, love you to come to our oh, church. Yes. And I can never remember the address, but Hunty always five seven Windsor Road Vineyard, New South Wales, Australia. Northwest yeah. of Sydney. Yeah, northwest of Sydney. We start at 10 o'clock. You're going to get a warm welcome. Big red building with a cross on the roof, can't Yeah, it? it's probably the largest Adventist church in Australia, well, in Sydney. In Sydney. Seat-wise. Yes. <laughs> Not necessarily number-wise. We're just That's a right. little church plant growing, actually. Yeah. I think we can fit 900 people in that yep. church. Yeah, over. So there's plenty of room, and we'd love to see you there. And we would. I'll be there. You'll meet me. You'll meet Hunty. You'll see why we're getting into On radio. The, yeah, you'll see why we, we love radio and why we're getting into our bike riding. <laughs> Actually, we, we love television too. We do. Um, yeah. And if you ever want to look at our our television programs, just go to aussiepastor.com. That's right. Click on the Watch Now button. Now, we've had a few, well, a number, quite a number. We of, have. Text messages come through, and I want to guarantee you this, we can't get them all today, simply because we're tech-challenged. That won't be the case well, next week. we're running week. out of time, too. Yeah, we, 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 we won't be tech-challenged next week. Hunty will get this worked out. But there's a couple. Now, excuse me if we've missed yours, but I, we will put it in next week because this is going to be a brand-new yep. segment. What are we going to call it? Stump past the Lord. No. Ask the pastor. Yeah, ask the pastor. Ask the Aussie ask pastor. The Aussie pastor. Yeah. Don't let's not stump <laughs> Pastor Lloyd. <laughs> uh, what do you got, Hunty? Well, I've got um some person writes here there. Thank us for the excellent program, um, but they would like to know in uh, Revelation chapter seven is the hundred and forty four thousand people a symbolic number or a literal number. Well, I'm going to give a short answer to that. Yep. The reason I'm going to give a short answer to that because I can tell you on this program we're going to go into this prophetic. Truth. We really need to get into the prophecies, I reckon, yes. considering where we are 
in the history of mankind. I, I believe we're going to see Jesus come. The 144,000 in the book of Revelation is a symbolic Re- hear what I said, Hunty? Symbolic. Symbolic rep- representation of those who are ready for Jesus when he comes. Yep. Now, why do I say it's symbolic? Well, it's simple. That's a good question. It is a good question, but it's simple. The entire book of Revelation, from Revelation chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22, is symbolic. True. So you can't have a number like the 144,000, which is which is representative again. It's a number that represents those who will be ready for Jesus when he comes. And there are people out there who go, oh, there'll be 144,000 people exactly when Jesus comes. It's got to be symbolic. Yes. Not only is the book of Revelation full of s- s- symbolic symbols, but... The 144,000, it then says they come from the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, the 12 tribes of Israel don't exist. That's right. It's all symbolism. It's symbolic of those who will be ready for Jesus when he comes, who will have that robe of Jesus' righteousness around. Oh, I wish I could preach on that. I was now, just thinking, when can we start the Revelation series? Oh, pretty soon, online. I reckon. Yeah, good. Uh, by the way, for, for our listeners, we'll be doing this online and we'll let you know about it yes uh from our studio that'll be a television online a youtube facebook thing yeah yeah so so yeah the short answer is it's symbolic right okay okay someone else would like to know um are all churches corrupt and run by freemasons (laughs) um well the short answer to that no in fact i don't know a single church that's run by the freemasons I don't even know much about the Freemasons. No, they certainly don't run our Christian church. No, well, they don't run my church at, at New Hope. They don't run the Adventist church. Uh, I got a friend who's we're, we're renting his Pentecostal church out, and I know him pretty well. We yep. know he, we know his background uh, right through to his birth, Hunty. Yes, doesn't run his church. That's right. Uh, no, simple answer is absolutely no. The Freemasons do not run uh, the Christian churches of the world. Um, there are a lot of and I think this is why studying Bible prophecy is so important, Auntie. There's just so much conspiracy theory out there. And one thing the Bible does is it puts the conspiracy theories to bed. That's right. It just gives you fact and truth. And so, yeah, no, I, I don't, I've never heard of a single church that's run by the Freemasons. doesn't mean there aren't Freemasons as members sure. of the different Christian churches. Of course there is. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's about it. That's all I can dig up right now. Yeah, okay. Mm. Well, we got a lot of emails, though, didn't we? Uh, text messages, not emails. We did. I need to get another computer to wrangle these. Yeah. So next week, um, can they send their questions in during the week? Of at course. All? You can send them in any time you like. And can we'll, you really? We'll collect them for next time we're online. So 4 That's it. Yeah, you send your questions yep. and we'll answer them all. Now, we did miss some this week simply because we don't have the text sorted out. Next week we'll have it sorted out. We will. And we will have this as an entire section of our program. Yes. I'm looking forward to it, actually. Great. And you know what? I don't mind if I get stumped because if I get stumped, that's fine. That's fine. I'll admit it. Yep. And what I'll do is I'll go away and do some study, do some, research. some Bible study. Yep, that's right, and yep. try and work out an answer. Yep. Okay, I want to talk to you a little bit more about the Bible. I want to talk to you about how you can hear God's voice through the Bible. I'm going to go here probably another two or three times before I'm finished. Reason being, Hunty, is so many people, when they first come to Jesus, are just enraptured about him. It's wonderful. I mean, when Jesus comes to you, Hunty, 
And he forgives you of your sins and they're deep and they're dark and you're full of guilt and you're full of shame and you get on your knees and you give your heart to Jesus and he puts his arms around you and he takes those sins and he's nailed to the cross for them and you feel peace, beautiful, genuine peace for the first time in your life and you get completed. I mean, it is the most Mm. wonderful experience available to mankind on the planet today. For sure. But then people seem to wander off. They have that first euphoric experience with Jesus and then too many wander off and they drift away from him. Well, one of the answers to that is to read your Bible every day. That's right. Because when you read your Bible every day, you get straight into the presence of God, hunty. Yep. Straight into the presence of God. And God will talk to you. But I just want to make, before we get into how God will talk to you again, I just want to read a couple of scriptures with you today that will help you to understand the importance of the Bible in your life if you want to be a Christian. And if you are a Christian and you're listening to us today and you find yourself wandering away from Jesus and you're going cold, or if you want to, you're not a Christian, you want to know more about Jesus, go to the Bible. And there's some pretty good reasons to go there. Second Timothy 3.16, Hunty, that's our first scripture today. Share that with us. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. I love that about the Bible, Hunter. Wow, that's, that's really plain that. Yep. The Bible will tell you what is right yep. and what is wrong. Yep. And people come to me as a pastor and they'll say, well, how do you define what's right? And what's wrong? Mm. How come what you're saying uh, I don't agree with because what I think is right is different than what you think is right. And what I think is wrong is different than what you think is wrong. You know what? doesn't matter what you or I think, Auntie. It is the role of the Bible, if you're going to be a Christian, to define what is right and wrong. Not even Dan Andrews down there in Victoria can do that. <laughs> That's right. Not his job. Not, not you, the not government's me. job. You know what, Hunty? It's not even the pastor's job. That's right. Is the work of the Bible to define what is right and what is wrong. Now, you know what? I grew up a Christian. I praise God for Christian parents. This next text is one of the first Bible texts I ever learned. Me too. You remember this one? Yes. In a different version, though. Yeah. This is, again, talking about the Bible. What does it say, mate? Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Hunter, you're a four-wheel driver. I am. You get out into the desert. Mate, I have some lights. Is it dark out there if the moon's not up? It is It is black. It black. Is pitch black. What difference does it make when you turn, well, actually, when you turn your hallelujah lights on? Share, that's, share, that's with, us, my- share with our <laughs> listeners what your hallelujah lights are. I've got a 50-inch light bar and a 25-inch light bar, and my wife calls them the hallelujah lights because when they come on, you can almost hear the angels sing. Yeah, that's so bright. Bright don't, as the sun. Don't come toward me with your high beam on So ever. when you turn that light on in the dark, what happens? You can. You can see. You can see. Yes. And, and this world is full of darkness. And you know what I'm, I'm finding, Hunty? What's that? People's minds are getting clouded more and more and more with the darkness of this world. And yep. they can't see. Yep. And they don't know what is right. And they don't know what is wrong. So uh, true. My friends out there listening to this program. Open your Bible. If you don't know where to go, just start reading it anywhere. And I tell you what, the light will come on and you will see things you could never see before. And you'll be, this is a beautiful thing, Hunty. You'll be able to start to work out what is right and what is wrong and what God thinks. You know what? I don't know about you, Andrew, but it's a big deal to me what God thinks. Me too. 
it will be a light. Next one, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. I like this one too. Okay. To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Now, that's Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. 20. Yep. Want me to put that in a kind of a, a Lloyd yep. Grolleman English Absolutely. version? Yep, please. To the law, to the Ten Commandments. Right. And to the testimony, to the Bible. Right. It's, it's another word for the Bible. So, to the Ten Commandments and the Bible, if they do not speak according to this word, this is a pretty harsh text, actually. Mm. It is because there is no light light mm. in them. You know, there are a lot of even Christian denominations, movements out there, even some among our own church, Hunty, who will claim the truth and who will claim light, they don't necessarily have it. That's right. And the Bible, we should use the Bible to determine, again, I, I, I kind of want to bring this Always. point home hard today. We use the Bible to determine what is right and what is wrong. That's right. I hope you get that very clearly. The reason I'm so sure, Hunty, in my life about what is right and what is wrong is the Bible. And I read it daily, morning and night, and it is a beautiful thing. Okay, Hunty. We're moving through pretty we quick because we don't have a lot of time. We've got about uh, six minutes. Have you ever noticed how we run out of time on this program? We've got two <laughs> we hours. Do. The pastor, the Aussie pastor's got two hours and he still runs out of time. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. We, we've already done this in a previous program, but let's do it again because I want to remind you. Yep. For the word of God is alive and powerful. I like that, Hunty. Read the Bible. It's alive. It'll jump at you. God will talk to you. Correct. Alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It just means that the Bible is alive. It'll go down deep into your heart. I like this one, Hunty. God will go to rooms in your heart through the Bible that no one else can go to. That's right. And he'll talk to you deep, deep down, deeper than anybody else can talk to you. So true. And he'll do it through the Bible. I think I've made the the... The comment before that 99.999% of God talking to me comes through the Bible. And that can happen because it's alive. The book's not dead. That's right. The moment you open it, the Holy Spirit, that's the third person of Godhead, comes down, gets into your head, your mind, your heart. It begins to talk to you through the Bible. And this last one, and then I just want to give you an example, a yep. quick example, sure. because we're running out of time. Romans 10, 17. Yep. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you've got the Bible, it's alive. Now faith, faith just means, yeah, I believe in God. I have no doubt God exists. I know you're there, hunty, and I'm there too. Yep. Well, the reason I believe that is because I hear. I hear God every day. Yep. I hear God all the time. Hunty, we were talking about, can't share the exact no, we can't. Uh, subject, but we were talking about a subject which was a bit uh, sensitive to both of us. Yes. You remember I said to you, hunty, go and talk to God. That's right. And he will share with you what he wants to on that subject. Well, he's going to share what he wants to on that subject, not necessarily through a feeling or a voice in your head, but through your Bible study. So how can you hear the word of God through your Bible study? Now, to our listeners, this is not the last time I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this over and over until you get it because it's so important. This is how I hear the word of God. First thing I do when I get up in the morning is I pray, hunty. Yep, me too. Something like this. Yep. Dear Lord, it's Lloyd. I am your man. Come into my heart. I want to hear your voice now. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Then I'm on systematic Bible study. You know what that means? I go chapter by chapter. It's not, I just don't open the Bible and go anywhere. So I'm in the book of Psalms. Here's an example of God talking to me. And I come to Psalm chapter 27. So I've prayed. I want to hear the voice of God. You with me, hunty? Looking at the text. This is what I do. Uh, read verse 1, my friend. Okay. <clears throat> Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So I read that verse, and then I stop. Yep. Is God telling me anything? Absolutely. Is he telling you anything there, Hunty? Right now he is. Now, Hunty hasn't done this Bible study. What did he tell you? Mm, He told me to be fearless, to be strong. Yeah. And make decisions that I need to make today. And in our ministry, that's a bit of a big deal, isn't it? Today it is. This is me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Our ministry, we, we do face some fears, don't we, mate? And challenges. We do. Real fears and real challenges. Why would I be afraid? Ah, that stirs me up. God's with me. I'm not going to be afraid. What about this next verse, hunty? Verse 2, Psalm chapter 27. Okay. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Verse 3. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Okay. So here we are. Let's look at our ministry. This is God talking to me here, Auntie. Yep. We're in a ministry. We're in our, our media ministry. We are under pressure from the government. That's true, isn't it, mate? True. No longer can we share Jesus how we want to. It's very difficult for me as a pastor to come out there and to share the power of Jesus to drag people out. Oh, he doesn't drag. He gently leads us out of sin to a new life. But Jesus says we don't need to be afraid, Lloyd. You stand up. I think of Paul and Silas. They ended up in jail for yes. sharing the truth. Yes. I hope we never get to that in our society, in our culture, but you do wonder, don't you? It's coming. Yeah, you do really wonder. Now, because of time, one last verse, mm-hmm. verse uh, 4. Verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in I'll his temple. I'll keep going. We've got, we got, we got to go to verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Do you know that Jesus says that before he comes, there will be a tr- time of trouble, hunty, yeah. like the world has never seen? Yes. I can't imagine that time of trouble. And I get... I, I can. I, I just wish I had more time today. I could go for another half an hour. Do you think I'm they'd mind it? Sure, you could. <laughs> uh, look, I love the fact that no matter where I am in life, I can grab hold of that text. Jesus has just told me, "Hey, come and dwell with me. You're gonna be okay. None of your enemies can hurt you. I am with you." That's God talking to me powerfully today. Absolutely powerfully here live on radio, and I chose this last song for our program today, Ancient Words, because it is a story about the Bible. And I like Keith Lancaster and the Acapella group, how they sing this beautiful song. So as you listen to it, perhaps you could ask Jesus to make the Bible a part of your life too. Holy words, long reserved for the Lord. 
so we may see and hear your word to us and bless us with an experience that is alive, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor and I love you a whole lot. But the Lord Jesus, he loves you so much more. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 